everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is a seminal day. Uh, we celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary yesterday. and. I know. Actually, Nikki rolled over this morning and said, I'm the luckiest woman in the world. I and of say course, it every morning. And of course, I said, yes, you are. Right. Uh, this is also our 11th anniversary on the air. Yay. Come on. Yay, come on. Come on. We have That's people in the studio. Let's go. 11 years of getting up every Sunday morning. It's been hell. <laughs> it's been great. All right. Uh, and it's appropriate for you know for this show. I just want to mm-hmm. welcome a new sponsor, uh, restaurateur uh, Ilhan Hakan. Hakan. I never say it right. Oh Ilhan Hakan, there we go, was on the show uh, two weeks ago, and uh, he owns Mirabelle, the Ottoman Taverna. He's got uh, two Italian uh, eateries, uh, Alba Osteria and Al Dente, and soon he's opening Cafe Liberté in right. Georgetown. Which is going to be amazing. And we're delighted to have him, and we thank our friend Lindley for- And actually, that chef, <laughs> perfect segue yeah. to our introduction, um, is really into bread baking. Yeah. He's like- um, Really, he brought his own Chef starter Jared. with him, right. like all around. He travels around the world with his starter. He's yes. had it for eleven years. It's very cool. It's crazy. So, all right, introduce all everybody right. on the show. So, please. Let, today on the show, we've got uh, Master Bread Baker Daniel Leader. He's a, he is a living legend. This man has authored another and v- stunning cookbook. It's it's a beautiful cookbook full of great information for artisan bakers. It's called Living Bread. You might have called it the Night of the Living Bread if you wanted to be cute, but that's it. You're forgiven for missing that one. Not even a snicker in the studio. He didn't even, he's thinking, what an idiot. (laughs) But, um, and you'll be able to meet Daniel today at one o'clock and get him to sign your book at Politics and Prose on Connecticut Avenue. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna talk to him first. Celebrity chef Spike Mendelson is in. He's back in studio. He's back in studio. We're not talking about uh, uh, Top Chef today. We're talking about Plant Burger. He's famous for his burgers, and now he's he's got a, a an all plant burger that um, it smells good. I'm okay. going to be tasting it in a minute. All right, one of the great restaurants in town is uh, Shuk Bajaj's uh, uh, new Modena, and Chef um, uh, John Melfi is in. John's got a great story about the food there, but also a personal story of perseverance um, uh, against a really serious uh, health issue. And we're going to hear all about that. And uh, toasting our anniversaries today and John's good health, of course. Uh, Anna Brown Lease is going to be in, and she's in with uh, Levi Woodzel. They're from Dos Mamis. Dos Mamis. Dos Mamis. Two Mamis and Taqueria del Barrio. They're going to mix up some special cocktails mm-hmm. for us. Okay, first. But first. But first, as always, we're going to go to Mitch Berliner at Central Farm Markets and find out what is going on at the markets today. Hey, Mitch. Sounds busy there. Good morning, kids. Good morning. Oh, it's Crazy! It's crazy. Crazy, the, but crazy busy. First of all, <laughs> uh, congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Twenty-three years. I've never heard a single argument except for those on the radio. Yeah, right. So, exactly. Um, that's because <laughs> that's, I do what yeah, I'm told. Our producer Andy is like, yeah. I've heard lots of arguments yeah. actually. <laughs> Andy fell out of his chair just yeah, then. Yeah, right. Tell us what's right. happening at the market so, today because it's really this is sort of the change of season. Like the weather has changed a little bit, and now. There's so much new produce at, at market. What are we looking at? Indeed. Well, okay, we said uh, goodbye to peaches and nectarines. I hate that. And we are now loaded with all kinds of apples, pears, Asian pears, 
fall broccoli delicata squash, my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still got plenty of summer things, zucchini, and we have tons of heirloom tomatoes. Remember, our farmers are from, you know, as far south as the northern neck. Right. We're so coming back later today for some tomatoes. We yeah, are without out. a doubt. We're not oh. ready for tomato season to end. Yeah. No. As a matter of fact, we have tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, right through the end of December because we have some people that switch over to their greenhouses mm-hmm. and then replant and we start again at the end of February. Can so I ask a question about greenhouse tomatoes? Sure. Mitch, do greenhouse sure. tomatoes have that same sort of taste and texture? I think people, you know, feel like you're not supposed to buy tomatoes past summer. Do the greenhouse tomatoes have the same taste and texture? Yes, they do, especially if they're planted in dirt. Mm-hmm. So our main um farmer who does that and we visited his fascinating five acre under glass mark toygo toygo farms um they'll pull out all of their vines mm-hmm. the end of december replant it in dirt and so it's really sort of the tomatoes are being tricked they kind of think they're growing outside and it's in dirt it's not in uh, it's not done hydroponically so the taste is really the exact same. There's no way you could tell, and it's really a nice treat. So maybe seven weeks out of the year, um, while they're coming back mm-hmm. um, with the new vines planted, we don't have them, but we have them pretty much the rest of the year. Okay, great to and know. So right. um, obviously we have pumpkins and cider and those kind of things. And today we actually have hard cider from Distillery Lane in Bethesda. Cool. And we have a special tour today. The hard cider is from a local farmer here in Maryland and uh, grows all kinds of heirloom apples. Some of the same apples that Thomas Jefferson grew on his uh, Monticello, like the uh, Pippin. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wonder so if, really I wonder if George Washington's wooden teeth was able to bite into them. Mitch, we got to move on. Tell everybody where the markets okay, are. Okay. So um, anyway, we'll see uh, everybody tonight, hopefully down at the blue jean ball. Meat crafters will have a stand there. And we'll see everybody at the Central Farm Markets, our three locations. We have Pike and Rose uh, on Saturdays on the parking lot of the REI. We have downtown Bethesda on the Bethesda Elementary School year-round on Sundays. And finally, we have our Northern Virginia Nova Market, George C. Marshall High School in the shadows of Tyson Corner. On All Route right. 7. Open year-round also. All right. So thank Thanks, you. Mitch. Congratulations. All right, buddy. Thank Thanks you. very much. Thanks, Mitch. All right, Levi, step up to the mic. Anna's stuck downstairs until we can get her in here. Good morning. So uh, give us a little bit of a 411 on Dos Mami's. Um, so Dos Mami's is um, a cocktail bar in the Petworth neighborhood of D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, opened by Anna Brandlees, the owner of Taqueria del Barrio, and Carly Steiner. Mm-hmm. the former Carly owner, Steiner, mm-hmm. the restaurateur to the stars. Former <laughs> owner of Hamitsu. Yep. And, um, and now Pom Pom. Now Pom Pom. Mm-hmm. Um, both businesses are on Upshur, as is Dos Mami's. Right. So Dos Mami's is a cocktail bar. Um, light fare in there. There's some snacks. Um, we actually have some of our empanadas from Taqueria del Barrio mm-hmm. are served at Dos Mami's. To kind of you got to stay in front of the mic, Yeah, dude. you can't keep going. kind of tie all that <laughs> so in there together. So tell me, like, so... You keep calling it a cocktail bar. What is it about the cocktails? Because Carly is known for being this like major cocktail person. That's sort of how she got her start, right, before Absolutely. she went into wine. So tell us a little bit about the kind of cocktails you're putting together there. They're all craft cocktails. Every mm-hmm. cocktail, every aspect of every cocktail, every ingredient 
is made in house. Mm-hmm. Um, the spirits are obviously not created in the house, but mm-hmm. all of the ingredients. You're not distilling every spirit back we're there not, as well. Unfortunately, we'll mm-hmm. get there. We'll right. get there one day. One day. Um, but the cocktails there are everything. They're all well balanced cocktails. All the ingredients are made in house. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Paler is a big part of the cocktail program there as mm-hmm. well. Um, so she and Carly have created just a, a list of cocktails um, as well as wines. Um, we have chilled reds. Um, that we chilled ha- reds are like really hot That right we now. served during the summer, which I was know. great because you want to drink a red wine, but it's no, especially this past summer in D.C. You know, you have a hundred degree weekend. You're right. talking to the wrong woman. Wine. You're talking to the wrong woman on yeah. that one. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us what cocktail you will be making first. So we're going to start with the Oaxacan Old Fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Oaxacan Old Fashioned, you get all of your old fashioned notes. Um, you have your bourbon. You yeah, she's your... an old fashioned girl. You can mm-hmm. tell. You can tell. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. You have your um, your bourbon. Um, is your spirit. Um, it's an old-fashioned, but um, the Oaxacan old-fashioned, we decided to put a spin on it mm-hmm. and use an aged tequila Fantastic. Um, All right. in there as well. So it's greatly balanced. Great. Well, while you're putting that together, we're, we're going to get on to our first guest. Daniel Leader, the master baker, the artisan baker to the stars. You, I, I read your bio. You made a decision to go off and live in the forest, basically, in the Catskills, and bake. How did all that happen? How did you become what you are now, from what you were then, which was a guy okay, looking for his answer. life. <laughs> well, uh, the, the long story uh, short, um, I, gre- I went to the Culinary Institute of America, mm-hmm. and uh, which is in the middle of the Hudson Valley. Right, in High Park. And um, I went down to New York and worked for a while. And the weekends were always going back to the, the Hudson Valley and the Catskills. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very fond of Woodstock, and uh, it just it was a fun place. And I ended up finding this little house for sale for literally no money. And so all of a sudden I had a weekend place in the Catskills and I was a chef and I was moonlighting in New York as a baker. And I had met a bunch of bakers in Paris who said, you should, you know, bread like this would be really cool in the United States. And, you know, I did a really thoughtful business plan, like, you know, spur of the moment, like follow your, follow, back, follow, back of follow, an envelope. Follow, not right. even that, follow your dream and don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved upstate and started Bread Alone, this little, we had a little wood-fired oven and a country road outside of Woodstock. And it's grown from there over but 37 years. But over the that time period, I mean, the culture of bread has changed drastically in the United States. I mean, there was a really long time where you know, you went to the grocery store and got bread. I mean, there was no there, bread. There was no. There, there was, was no. There was, was no, no culture. culture. There was right. no bread culture. There was, I would say, in many cities, a few old uh, Italian bakeries, like in Moonstruck, a, a coal-fired right. bakery. Right. That like was. In, a, th- like, that was it. Right. Like in New York City, you know, like in the village, there'd be Zitos some bakers. And right. Exactly. Zitos and D and G bakery places right. like that. But in DC, nothing. You know, and in small town, even in suburbia or small towns, there was no place. There was no corner there. bread bakery. So. You helped change that conversation with your first bakery. Yeah. So let's talk about the progression and how you changed from like the kinds of flowers you had available. I mean, think of the products available now in this country than what you started with. I mean, at that point, I mean, there were a couple organic flour mills back in the late 70s and mm-hmm. 80s. Uh, and there was a company called Little Bear Trading Company that was doing organic flours. Mm-hmm. But there weren't many. It, it didn't exist. You know, basically, you bought bread flour. Right. And that was it. And so, from the beginning, we always were committed to certified organic flours. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I. And why? What was the reasoning for that? You know, I just, I felt in my heart and my soul that there was something wrong with agriculture. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I, I had. I mean, you weren't wrong. No, 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 no. no. Um, I, and and as, a, as a college student, I had been very influenced by the Good Life books by Helen and Scott Nearing, which were like the pioneers sure. of, mm-hmm. of, of organic food in this country. And so it was beginning. Actually, the year Bread Alone started was the same year the Whole Foods started. Interesting. It, it's, it, it, so there was something going on back then. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was the post-70s, you know, hippies growing up, you know, and trying to do something good for the world. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone that I was doing business with in those early years has grown and developed. Uh, there's, a, there's a flour mill that we do business with now in, in Canada called La Milanese. started the same year that we did. So there was, it was like seeds were planted that mm-hmm. have been growing over these past 35 years. Which is, I mean, it's just amazing to see what's available today. When you were first making breads, you know what, let's take a break now. We're going to take a quick break now. And then when we come back, I want to talk about sort of the breads you were making in the beginning and the expansive list of breads that you're now making today. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We're celebrating 11 years on air and we're talking bread. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to master bread artisan Daniel Leader, who's got a new cookbook out, a new baking book. I'm sorry, and it was just—he just got a, a text. It was just named the 2019 best baking book by the Book Authority. So you're sitting here. Yay. It's probably because you're on the show. It's our, I think so. so it, it could be our mojo. Yes. So talk about the book. I mean, are these are these recipes that you've collected over time? Are these uh, any of these new? Are these from you know? Well, where's all the input the, the, from? The book is actually the, the the evolution of my my baking career in the sense that I joke that I am a graduate of the backdoor school of baking mm-hmm. because I'm not a I never went to baking school. Everything I've learned has been knocking on the back door of bakeries, inviting myself in, being really nice, and learning what these bakers do. Mm-hmm. So over the year years, I've been to hundreds of bakeries and I pick, you know, about 20 of my favorites. And there's profiles of these bakers and millers and farmers all across Europe, people that I've known either for a short time or a long time. Mm-hmm. And I tell the stories of their lives and what motivates them and why they bake and what they bake. Do you do you take their? Re- I mean, for this book, did you take their recipes and try them all out? Or oh yeah, every every recipe has been tested multiple okay. times, I mean, and and some of the recipes were recipes that people gave me, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and some were people they didn't give me recipes, and these were you know my best rendition of their of their breads. So, but let's talk about. I mean, it. Would you say that this book is for advanced? bread bakers, for the uninitiated, like for somebody who doesn't bake bread on the regular, how would they go about, what would you recommend for them in this book? You know, there, there are many very straightforward, mm-hmm. easy recipes in this book. Because I think people feel scared about baking well, people, bread people because are, of yeast and pe- there's, people it's are, a live it, product. People are intimidated by bread. I don't know why. If you say, it's well, so yummy. Yeah, it's so yummy. And the thing about bread is it, it's, it's pretty hard to have a complete failure. Okay. You know, is you that know, true? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's going to smell good. It's going to taste reasonably good no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, so the book has a lot of basic recipes, straightforward recipes. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, people are very intimidated by sourdough. People have been making sourdough bread for thousands of years. Right. Mm-hmm. Commercial yeast was only invented in 1880, 1890. So for most of human history... There was only sourdough bread, and now we're afraid of sourdough bread. Well, so it makes a, no sense. That's a good point for people listening, because if you 
never made bread before. Our daughter-in-law had never made bread before. She now makes a challah that she would kill you. Yeah, fabulous. it's really fabulous. And, and obviously she had to sort of grow into it, but um, I think that's what I found because I've never made bread in my life. But this made it very, um, I guess, the gateway to baking seems now easier having read some of these. I'm going to try. Well, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Yes. And and uh, when I did this book, I really, and my co-author, Lauren, we really wanted to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. And I've been really um, pleased that the initial feedback from the book, people are fi- saying the recipes are very straightforward, very easy to follow, mm-hmm. very easy to understand. So, so far, we seem to have won the battle of of, of bread simplicity. Well, you want Excellent. it with, I mean, the show's called Foodie and the Beast, so clearly I have only half a brain, and, and, right. and I figure I can do this. Well, some people call their sourdough the beast. You know, people nickname their sourdoughs. Right. And I've, really? actually, I've actually heard that, I heard someone along the way call their sourdough the beast. Oh, I thought it was an homage to me, too. Damn. Yeah. All, right, All right, Daniel, so you're going to be speaking today at Politics and Prose yep. on Connecticut Avenue with Actually, your book. I'm giving with Mark Furstenberg for oh, Bread First. Oh. And Mark and I know each other for more than 30 years. I was speaking to him yesterday we, when we were both starting our careers uh, back when he had Marvelous Market. Of course. Yeah, um, right. I mean, he was the one who really brought bread to D.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on our show multiple times. We yeah, know Mark and I well. like Mark a lot. Yes. He's a good man. He is a very good man. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Let us tell everybody where they can find your right. book. Everywhere, every bookstore. <laughs> hopefully, every bookstore is carrying it. Okay, great. Thank you so thank much. You thank, thank you for having me. Us today. Okay, great. All right, all right. Anna, well, Anna Brunlis is here. Is here. She, she made, made it, it into in the studio. building. Get in front of the mic, my dear. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are so you? Levi was pinch hitting for you as we started talking about um, Dos Mommies. So um, this is really your incarnation. Tell us. Tell us about how you came up with the concept and why, especially in that area. Dos Mommies? Well, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't take full credit. Of course, my um, amazing partner, Carly mm-hmm. Steiner, mm-hmm. Um, is as involved as I am in the project. Um, mm-hmm. We both have restaurants on Upshur Street, so needless to say, we spend a lot of time there. Right. Um, we really felt a loss when Hank's Cocktail Bar closed um, because, you know, it was our neighborhood hangout spot. And mm-hmm. we we would spend a lot of time there. Um, and not just with our staff, but, like, I got to know a lot of the people from the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, hanging out there. Mm-hmm. And it was like something was missing. So when the opportunity arose, um, literally the day I found out that that was available, I, uh, I, I flagged Carly down and I was like, hey, do you – can we sit and chat? And um, you know, we it, the first meeting it was uh, the, it was born. Right. Um, you know, it, literally within a half an hour of us sitting down to talk, we were, we were both on the same page about what we wanted. You know, you've and, never flagged me down to talk about opening I mean, a place. There's a reason for that. That really hurts. Um, I mean, we can do that if you like. Right. I'm like free after, after the show. The show right. You know. So, but just. What did you guys want Dos Mommies to be? What was your vision? We wanted it to be something different than um, the traditional cocktail bar. We Uh wanted it to be something bright, something light, something that didn't feel so serious Uh and so heavy. Like when you walk into a traditional dark cocktail bar, it feels like a little intimidating. Uh And we didn't want any of that. We wanted bright and fun and whimsical. It is beautiful. It is bright. It is fun. And you have that gorgeous outdoor patio out back. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we had the pleasure of working... um, with an amazing team to get it to get it uh, to mm-hmm. put our vision to what we wanted it to be. So we wanted it to be a little a little Latin, a little Miami, a little a little you know 
I, I don't want to say girly, but it but it kind of is. You it know, there's a, a lot feminine of, feel. It's very feminine. Um, you know, there's a lot of pink. Pink is my color. I've, <laughs> I have pink everywhere. Okay. Um, so there's pink everywhere in the bar. Um, I think that it's very warm and inviting and welcoming. Excellent. All right. Well, All right let's well, talk about this drink real quick. Well, we already talked about this I know, drink. but I'm saying it's delicious. Right. Thank okay. you, Levi. It's right. like what it. are you going to make next? So next we're going to make a cucumber margarita. Fabulous. Um, which has tequila and mezcal in the okay. margarita and a salted cucumber syrup. It is a Sunday morning on Foodie and the Beast. So I'm going to step back here and shake that up. Okay, great. You go do that, and we're going to start talking to Spike. Well, we're going to talk to Spike Mendelson, who's who's famous for his appearances on Top Chef and for his restaurants and, and his, for good his good stuff burgers, eatery. Good, yes, good, good stuff. stuff eatery. And but his, I mean, of all the things that when I think of you, I think of uh, burgers. Yes. I mean, indulgent, and delicious burgers. And now okay, we're so talking wait. plant so, burgers. Happy anniversary, by the way. Thank yeah. you. That's Thank more you than so most much. marriages. It's incredible. Thank you. Well, it took me three tries. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Third time's a charm. And this is now number three. So the That's other two right. are buried You know what somewhere. I learned? Sure. I learned you just don't put up a fight. You just do what you're told and everything will be fine. Yeah, that I'll, worked for you well. I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you are known for your Good Stuff Eatery burgers. You do fabulous beef burgers and have been a, a part of that world you you're one of the like early fast casual concepts in the dc market but also nationally with a higher end burger yep so the switch tell us like why how the switch it, how did it all get into play well, you know i've been also been involved lately with a lot of food policy over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. started to learn a lot more about the food system uh and you know i'm always a guy that likes to kind of innovate and i think the fast casual space as you mentioned we were one of the first you know in 2008 to, to kind of do something like that mm-hmm. in dc and We've come a long way. It's about, been about 10, 12 years. So always trying to innovate. And uh, I was introduced to you Beyond Burgers by Seth Goldman uh, sure. on a panel. Mm-hmm. He kind of slipped a, uh, a little cooler underneath my chair. And I, he said, uh, I heard you're the burger boss. Take these home and let me know what you think. And, uh, you know, my wife is vegan. So I went home, cooked up the Beyond Burger and was blown away. Mm-hmm. Pretty much sent him an email this two years ago. Delicious. On we have to do something with this. You know, mm-hmm. we, we need to be the first to open up, uh, you know, a fast casual restaurant uh, with burgers that just happens to be 100% plant based. So, so, how did you come up with a menu for this offer? You know, like plant based is a huge buzzword right now. Yeah. Again, you're like, you're kind of ahead of the curve. Yeah. There's a lot of plant based, fast casual concepts, but they're more. Like I'm thinking like sweet greens and, co- you know, like there's yeah. a lot of plant-based options, yeah. but there's not any sort of fast casual restaurants that's completely. Well, they're not plants that, that have the uh, the uh, resistance and the taste of beef. Exactly. So, you know, the way we thought about it, the, you know, the CEO of Beyond Meat has a great quote and it's one of our deep seated values. We have five deep seated values. You can check them out on the website. But for one of them says who, you know, who says meat has to come from plants? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what we're doing with Plant Burger is we're kind of skipping the middleman uh, and all the intense money that goes into and waste that goes into that. And mm-hmm. we're just going directly to the plants. If you think about it, cows eat plants, right? right. So we're just skipping that step. Uh, and for us, creating a menu was just we wanted to be something super indulgent. Like you said, there's been salad places and protein bar and all these other different concepts that have come out. But no one's really been able to harness classic American indulgent greasy food. Right. Right. Uh, and we're not screaming we're vegan. We're not screaming we're vegetarian. We're just screaming we're delicious. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to be 
all plant-based. Uh, and kosher, by the way. We got our kosher certification, which is pretty unbelievable so for I, a burger restaurant. Right. So is it, are you kosher because it is plant-based? I mean, does one yes. go hand-in-hand hand with the other? Well, it makes it a lot easier when you're not dealing with dairy or animal protein right. to become kosher, especially in the cross-contamination of the kitchen of sure. sorts. So, uh, you know, Rabbi Shmuel uh, from the National Synagogue actually right. uh, blessed us with, with the cert- certification. So we're DC kosher. And and yeah, which I'm, is really hard for the DC market. Yeah. There's not a lot of kosher all restaurants. Right. Definitely You're not. talking in all these terms way up here. You you want to hear it from somebody that likes burgers? Yes, these are damn good. <laughs> I mean, they are. You also have you also have some uh, some bloomies right there, which is our blooming our, onions. Yeah, which exactly mm-hmm. our version of the blooming onion. Go ahead, mm-hmm. dig in there. You got sweet potato fries. Sweet potato fries, damn, and then son. we also have an oat based soft serve. Uh, that are you we, using oatly? Uh, no, no, no. We've created our own oat milk. We've worked with Dolceza, uh, which I know you Wait, know. you're creating your own oat milk? Yes, oat, oat milk. And uh, we also take that soft serve and create something we call the Oat Tasty, okay. which is our version of a Frosty. So you have a strawberry Oat Tasty and a mm-hmm. chocolate Oat Tasty. Uh, See, we're there for me. It's delicious. Yeah, right. But not only can, the, I mean, I don't know if we can heal the planet yet with less cows and, you know, uh, yeah. more green stuff. But my problem with all the, you know, with like the, you know, the veggie burgers and all that is it tasted like shoe leather. You're right. And they I had he the was consistency. Going another way with that. No, I can't. I can't. I, I can't say that on the air. This is, this satisfies my hamburger Jones. Yeah. And it's better for me. And so better for how the did you decide like what to put on the menu and like the bun? Like how did you come up with like the entire? Concept? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been down this route before. Right. Uh, so so it was uh, you know, the idea was is is don't mess something that's not broken, and and mm-hmm. the idea of just substituting a meat, uh, you know, an animal protein uh, mm-hmm. for just plant protein was one big difference but then uh the cool thing is is that we're actually in the whole foods in silver spring mm-hmm. uh and when you're going through the process of developing a concept they really hold you accountable to your sourcing because they're whole foods right so for me that was something new that and that i had to kind of work around every single ingredient that we use had to have like this check mark from whole foods uh so you know we wanted a delicious potato bun because we love potato buns with with burgers so we mm-hmm. we were able to get that uh, accomplished mm-hmm. uh, obviously our meat was the beyond meat patty that right. we use uh, which we, they actually sell at Whole Foods. They actually sell at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. They were the first to launch, actually, Beyond Meat in, mm-hmm. in stores. Uh, we actually use the ground meat and handcraft our patties. Okay. So we don't use the, the, you know, the pre-made burgers. puck. We use the, the, the ground uh, Beyond Meat. Are you seasoning it on your own and doing your own thing to it? Yeah, Is we that just why? do a salt and pepper. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd be very, I mean, I'm sure you've, Tasted them, cooked them. Yes. They, they. We buy them. Yeah, I mean, they cook like home. meat. They, you know, they taste right. like meat, and and uh, good. they even have a, like a Maillard reaction when you cook them and caramelize the sugar. So mm-hmm. for us, it was just about like a nice seasoning of salt and pepper on them. Uh, and then the rest of the menu, we were just thinking about indulgence, right? Uh, and you know, being part of value. So the blooming onion, I always really love something like that. I didn't want to do a regular fried onion, so we you want to be a little innovative, sweet potato fries. Wait, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We have to take a break. Oh. Let's take a break. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You know what? That's all right because it gives me a chance to eat more. Right. Okay, this I'm is happy. David and Nikki Nellis. We're eating plant-based burgers on air. Good. We'll be back in just a uh, sec. Uh, all right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. This is our 11th anniversary show. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe. Did I have hair when we started the no. show? No, no I didn't. Okay. Yes, probably. It's just like, That's right. I know. That's right. You're you guys bring, anniversary you guys bring me for the anniversary every week. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're talking to Spike Mendelson, a plant burger, and he's brought them in, and they're good. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm the glutton on the show, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't he's tell you this glutton, was good. I am period. a glutton. <laughs> but between that and the sweet potato fries and the blooming onions, okay. it's good food. All right, so let's talk about 
the actual burger that you're putting together. Sure. And because I think people don't really understand the difference between sort of this plant-based burger and like a veggie burger. Sure. Right? Because it's different. Yeah. So the, the actual patty's made out of peas, uh, potato, uh, there's pomegranate and beets. That's the mm-hmm. Beyond Meat product. We use that. Right. And then, you know, starting with, you know, as, as every other restaurant, you start with a great product. It's magical what you do. We, we start to implement other flavors and tastings and textures. So mm-hmm. we have your classic cheese, uh, cheeseburger, which is, uh, you know, we use Follow Your Heart cheese, which is also made out of potato starch. Okay. Uh, you know, ruby, you know, a tomato and lettuce. And then we do our plant sauce, which is our secret sauce. Mm-hmm. And then we have a plant mushroom bacon burger, which with barbecue sauce, which seems to be a really crowd favorite. So the bacon is made out of mushrooms? The bacon is made out of mushrooms. It has a little bit of a smokiness to it. And everywhere, then, everywhere in America, pigs are smiling right now. You know they that. are. They're, They're so like, happy. Happy like so a pig. Finally, already. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so we've crafted that to be a little bit more indulgent and texture pleasing. There's fried onion rings in there. Um, mm-hmm. We also have something called, uh, you know, the plenty meal, which is, you know, you can get a, a burger, fry, and a O-Tasty shake, uh, you know, all in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we We've kept the menu pretty simple as as burgers are. You know, we're 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 in the Whole Foods in a kiosk, so we have limited space. Uh, but you know, we're really what's happy our, to be there. What's the long term goals? Like, where are we going to see these next? Yeah, long term goal right now is to grow within Whole Foods. We have a great partnership with them. It great. makes sense. Uh, you know, their customer base is the same. You know, customers. So will that you we're be in other for. Whole Foods store? We've got. Because we're a lot closer we're, to the one on Rockville Pike. We are definitely looking at other Whole Foods within the area, within this region. Uh, and, you know, for us, we, we just want to grow all over. We, f- we feel that this is a global concept. I feel mm-hmm. we, that's the way we can have such a environmental impact, uh, you know, and actually scale uh, right. and own our values. And, and Whole Foods st- is your market already. And right? Whole Foods Here's is our market. Every, yeah, they, they have demographics from all across. So mm-hmm. they, they don't really, you know, at this point. Uh, Save the world. I'll tell you the other thing. To. These Shakes. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if you can replicate the okay. taste and the consistency, you win. Yes. And this is all, uh, you know, for yeah. what it's worth, you get 100% from me. Okay. Spike, thank you so yes. much for joining us today. Really Tell everybody stuff. where they can find you again. They can find us uh, at the Whole Foods off of Wayne Street in Silver Spring, right mm-hmm. there. You can't miss us. We're also looking forward to the No Waste Big Taste Competition on mm-hmm. 1026 that we're having. It's yes. in downtown Silver Spring. We're well, going to be putting market, up our plant right? burgers against some some other plant burgers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, bring on those. Bring it on. Bring bring it on. Uh, Question: Can you Grubhub this stuff or anything like that? Yes, we just thank you. We just launched Uber Eats in the Silver Spring area, so please Uber Eats us and come see us. American. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, Anna, let's bring you back on. So, so as you and Carly came up with this concept together, and you had the aesthetic that you wanted, how did you decide on the kind of cocktails, your beverage program? What was it that you wanted to be serving? Well, um. We still wanted to serve the highest quality cocktails that we could, uh, craft cocktails. Everything Mm -hmm. is uh, juiced daily in the bar. Everything is made from scratch. We don't have one item that is pre-purchased, pre-fabricated, pre-bought. And we wanted to make sure that we kept true to that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the cocktail bar. But we were able to maintain our prices so that it was still a neighborhood-friendly bar mm-hmm. so that you could come in and you could grab, you know, a happy hour glass of wine and not, you know, pay $16 for right, it. Yeah. Right. So that it was appealing to our, our, our neighborhood guests. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Levi. Wait, can we talk about this right. margarita? Right. Yes. Yum. Yes. This yum, is, yum, yum. This is delicious. This is one of my favorites. It's a salted cucumber margarita. Mm-hmm. So it has both mezcal and tequila. 
Well, it's real. And why add both? Why do a little bit of both? Why, why not? not? <laughs> why not? You know. I mean. Well, I think it's uh, it because some people find mezcal to be too smoky. Right. Um, it when you. Uh, you know, um, mute it down a little bit with the tequila, you get the same kick, but with a little bit less of the smoke element. So you can, you know, people can really enjoy the flavors of the mezcal without it being overpowering together with they're the cucumber. Spectacular. Yeah, so. I love tequila and mezcal. Excellent. All right. All right, Levi, what are you making next? So next we're going to be making a margarita del barrio, okay. which is our signature margarita at Taqueria del Barrio. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can come by any Tuesday. We have the best Taco Tuesday in town. That's true. Yes, it is. Um, so our Margarita Del Barrio is actually created by Anna. Um, it is a mezcal margarita with hints of habanero, turmeric, and pineapple. Um, so, so you have your sweetness in there. You have your smoky. It has a tahine rim, which is a chili wine. While you're salt. drinking it. <laughs> it is a very yeah. It's a therapeutic cocktail. It's yeah. in more ways than one. So I'm gonna step away and shake that one. Okay. Beautiful. Right. Thank you. Now okay. we're going to talk to John Melfi. Hey, John. Hello, guys. Thanks Man. for joining us in the studio Thanks today. So let's start off with, I mean, you you worked with Fabio. You worked with Robert Wiedemeyer. You've had some great spots. Give us a fast 411 on you. Fast 411. Um, so about a year and a half ago, I was um, diagnosed with stage 4 kidney disease. So I was at uh, Fiola Restaurant uh, with a star, trying to get two stars. A um, little bit of stress going on. Um, so after about eight surgeries or so, I had to take a little bit of a hiatus. Okay, I feel like you are totally skipping over. You're starting in the middle. Everything. <laughs> so can we just back up? I mean, we want to talk about the opening of the new restaurant, but I want to talk a little bit about your health scare and how that got you to where you are today. So how did you realize that you had this issue? issue? Well, it just kind of came out of the blue, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I had a little bit of pain one day, and so I, I did what most people would do, I guess, just don't tell anybody and right, don't do anything it. about it and just kind of think about it for a few weeks until the pain got too bad, and then I was like, okay, I better go figure this out. So I went to the emergency room, and they told me that I had some serious issues. So it was mm-hmm. a lot to take. Sure. Um, and then the story just kept progressing and getting worse. So every mm-hmm. time I went to the doctor, it was either I don't know or let's try this or and my numbers in, in health just kept declining. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, it, it started to get really scary. We talked about things like transplant. We talked about like. But did they know, So they knew it was a kidney issue, but did they know what the kidney issue was? It was genetic. So okay. they really can't tell me, but they, they kind of gave it a diagnosis. But basically there was a few things. There was more than one thing that happened, but one was like an artery had grown, grown around my uterer okay you know genetically so 36 years later it had restricted the flow Mm -hmm. so therefore caused distress exactly so Mm -hmm. the kidney was under distress and kidneys don't really cry for help until they're really hurt Hmm. so basically as the numbers as the gfr of the kidney had lowered then it started to hurt but it took 36 years. I never had any pain in my life I never knew anything had no issues nothing no nothing so once they got in there and were able to identify what the problem was. How did they go about figuring out how to help you? And how were you working? You were working at the same time? Yeah, I was at Fiola, actually, and working a lot, a real lot. Um, and um, so basically, on Thursday, I went to the emergency room. And on Tuesday, I went for a laparoscopic surgery, and I was out for a month. Mm-hmm. I was in bed for like three and a half weeks. Wow. Um, and basically, they told me that they were going to just kind of cut the artery and reroute it and then mm-hmm. take a section of the uterine tube out that had been damaged and put like a plastic stent there mm-hmm. and I'd be good. 
So I went over this huge surgery, and next thing you know, when I got done with it, they were like, I'm sorry, you're not good. You're actually worse. And I'm like, are you oh kidding me? Oh, my God. Me? Thanks so very much. Was, right. I thought I was like going to be cool. I was going to have this big thing. I was going to get back to work. Um, so I got back to work, and they were like, okay, well, we got at least three or four more surgeries, smaller ones, but mm-hmm. to see if we can fix the problem. So three surgeries goes by, keeps getting worse. Four, five, six, seven surgeries goes by, keeps getting worse. It got to about... And it, what's the time span of this? Seven months. So they're doing that many surgeries mm-hmm. in that short of a period of time? Yes. That's and so most, much stress on your body. Most of the smaller surgery procedures, I went back to work the next day. Wow. All laparoscopic? And the next day. There was one that I went to work that night when I got out of the hospital. I woke up. I was still like, <laughs> okay. I'm serious. Like, Seriously? Like sleeping. Like... Somebody should have said, John, yeah. go home and rest. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of hard when, when you're kind of relied on and you're, and you're leading and, the restaurant. And you're pushing and, and you've already missed a month. Right. Next thing you know, you're fighting for your job. You're fighting to keep the, you know, your star. You're, 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 you're trying to get another star, you mm-hmm. know, let alone. Um, so finally I had to throw in a towel. You know, I talked to Fabio and we kind of just said, you know, let's let's do what's right for everybody. And I went and focused on my health. So I, I got off social media. I went and worked with uh, Chef Weedmeyer. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the corporate guy. I wasn't, you know, responsible and had a, a restaurant on my shoulders. So I was able to get to all my doctor's appointments and, mm-hmm. and do what was right. And so finally realized that that had to be number one. Sure. And what was the end result with your health? So, like, where are we right now? So we're, we're great right now. So that's kind of all the, the downside of the story. The upside of the story is I had my blood work done, which is every two weeks. I had it done three days ago, and I had the best numbers I've had in a year and a half. Amazing. So, Congratulations. And what did they do to, because it wasn't the surgeries, right? That alleviated right. the Right. So all these surgeries and all this cutting. I'm leading to the and, really and, important point right. to me. So <laughs> the, the whole crazy part of the story this is. This is her favorite word, This by is the my way. favorite word. They came down to, after doing everything they knew what to do, to, to kind of going to like a secondary measure of Botox. So they were like, well, my we have this. <laughs> We have this I procedure. Botox. Yeah, Botox. It's a miracle they, drug. I mean, can you mix the mezcal and with Botox? <laughs> right. The they put it in your face, they put it in your forehead, they, they put it in your butt. They put it in your Meanwhile, you know? they put it, where did they put it in your kidney? They put it in the uterine tube in the, in the upper um, part the of the bladder, actually, to relax everything and to cause the, the pressures to go down and relieve mm-hmm. the pressure on the kidney, which also took it out of distress. And then the re- the kidney kind of rebounded a little bit, so therefore I got today my best numbers that I've had. Problem is, it lasts five or six months. So this month in October, I'm due for my next procedure. But it's like an hour long thing, and you just painless. Okay. So, and worth it. And and well worth it. Yeah. Save so my now life. you have to live on a specific diet. I do. So I'm not the greatest at the diet, but I did Nobody's lose about 25 pounds in the last two months, three mm-hmm. months. Um, basically, because I got on a renal diet and being a chef and whatnot, I really was restricted on what I could eat. So I kind of like stopped eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're standing there making amazing Italian food while you're right. Not so eating. we got to taste everything we make. Right. So of course I, you know, I have you know containers full of plastic spoons in front of me and taste pretty much every dish that goes out. But what I do is I taste about I don't know an eighth of a teaspoon mm-hmm. of each of the sauce, and I can do that all day long, and I'm totally fine. And I've just trained myself on how to tell where the salt levels are on that amount of food well, compared to the whole thing. Wait, so well, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the development of your restaurant and the which kind of is food. Modena, and... right? And the kind of food that you're serving there. Cool. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's 11 years of Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, so we're uh, here on Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis, our 11th anniversary on the air. Yay. 
Seems like only 10. <laughs> and we're talking to John Melfi, who is the executive chef at Modena, which is one of Ashok Bajaj's, part of Ashok's empire of restaurants. I think he's got 11 restaurants. He does. Accidenti. But we just one had him on soon. air last week. That's right. He's just on here. He's like, I, I don't know. know how we found time for us. So tell us about the restaurant, what you're doing there. Yeah, so we've been super busy, super exciting, a lot going on. Modena um, is our fun, fine dining is what we're trying to call it in kind of uh, our motto. Um, basically Italian, but we're not staying refined, you know, confined, excuse me, to just Italian cuisine or traditional or classic dishes. So a, a lot of these dishes I've been trying to put a spin or my spin or a little bit of fun, fine dining into it. So basically two of these dishes that I brought for you today are on our appetizers. Mm-hmm. Um, they become kind of our staples. They're going to stay through the fall menu change, which is coming up in a week. So stay okay. tuned for that. Um, the tuna. First, we have uh, the elephant tuna crudo. We serve it um, in a fun way on a salt block. So we interact with the guests. On a 1,500-year-old no, Himalayan yeah. sea salt. So you're yeah. curing and you're also seasoning the tuna. Mm-hmm. So basically, we encourage the guests. We give them tweezers. We give them a little eyedropper full of argamato or lemon-infused oil. You put as little or as much as you a like. Leva, you can have some. Come on over. He's like making a face like, look at that. So yeah. we, we, did, we garnish it pretty crazy. simply um, mm-hmm. with Bronte pistachios from Sicily and um, trout roe and a little bit of radish. Yeah. And then, um, so, yeah, Here. dig in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, oh, well, having been in into the crazy. restaurant, I have to be honest, there's so much going on in there. So I love the antipasti cart. Mm. I feel like that that kind of concept like went away, and now you're bringing it back. So can we talk about that a little bit? Like, yes. what, what was your vision with that? So part of the reason, you know, so I've worked for Ashok before. We have a great relationship. We work mm-hmm. well together. Um, but part of me coming to Modena was this antipasta cart because mm-hmm. nobody's really doing it. And no. I thought it could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got this amazing cart. We have a chef that kind of works it. You know, the only thing that would be better about it is if we could make it total mobile and kind of bring it to the table. Right. Unfortunately, when the restaurant gets full, which it, it has been can't. lately. Which you know, it would be cool if you got one of those things to have it safe where you just get in and drive it around. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, like now I'm thinking. No, so, you know, everybody does cheese cart. Everybody does dessert cart, you know, so why not any pasta carts? And mm-hmm. we keep it rotating. We've had about nine different selections going through it now, and we're getting ready to add two more next week, like a fennel, or- blood orange, and olive salad is going to come. We're going to get rid of our panzanella salad that we've been doing. But that panzanella salad you know was so I know. Good. Interesting about uh, fennel, finocchio, right? Yeah. I mean, 15 years ago, I mean, 20 years ago, 25 years ago in Italy, it was all over the place, and it, they were cooking it, it was raw and all that. Here, you couldn't find it, and now it's crazy fennel time. I love it. Yeah, love we it use too. it raw. We shave it in the salads to give texture and crunch and add that little juiciness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the cart, um, it's been a super cool adventure, and, you know, we're trying to get different, you know, um, different custom bowls and platters and, like, glass domes and slate and different things. Well, actually, since you brought up your platters for the cart, the pl- plateware, the dishware that you're using throughout service is pretty spectacular. Um, was that something that you really wanted to do? Or did that come from a shook? Because you don't find a lot of restaurants using really unique dishes. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. expensive to use really it's unique very dishes. very expensive. So the first trip, uh, me and Chef Ruta actually went to the Fortes outlet. We went to the uh, Steel Light mm-hmm. um, outlet. We went to all these different um, shops, you know, and visited and just looked at plates for, I don't know, two and three days, mm-hmm. you know, hours and hours and hours, and then crunched them and then thought about dishes, you know, crunched numbers, thought about what could go on what. 
how much was you know that it was going to cost and brought up a, a whole package to a shook and and so a lot goes into selecting the plates like that plate in front of you with the salmon mm-hmm. i think it's just absolutely beautiful and it's we're gorgeous. the only restaurant in the city that has that bowl right at the time no uh, i mean it right was now. remarkable i was at a table of three women when we were in for lunch and every plate that came out each like we all remarked we were all trying very like casually to like lift it up to look underneath to see like you know like whose china it was because it was there's some villery and bach like you had a bunch of different kinds in there because we looked um but i just think that that's a really interesting thing to do it's very hard for a restaurant to have unique plateware yeah, and a, for a moment i was jealous like why was she there with two other people and i wasn't even invited but no, then the invited. thought of sitting there looking with my wife looking at the bottom of the plate <laughs> oh look villery and bach Okay, anyway. I don't sound like that. No, I know. <laughs> well, it was great to have you guys in for lunch, and I hope you come back again. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, plateware is super important. Um, I'm actually, we're waiting still. When I ordered it two and a half months ago, but we have this plate that's actually at a 90-degree angle. It's actually folded up. It's going to look super cool. Cool. So it's coming in. It's had a 10-week lead time on it, so it we'll be, be the only the one to have that plate, too. So that's going to be cool. <laughs> so lastly, just tell people, like, what they can find on your menu. Like, what would what does lunch service look like? What does dinner service look like? Got it. So um, we, we showcase a lot of pastas. We have eight different pastas on the lunch menu. We make everything in-house pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, like, one or two pastas that we don't make in-house. But we make everything fresh every day. I have two full-time employees just for pasta, Italian restaurant. Um but our lunch menu, we're trying to keep it approachable. But, um, you know, our competitors in our area, you know, we have a couple competitors that are close. I want to be a little bit more refined than them, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I want to keep the price point approachable to where people can come back week after week. Um, dinner is um, a step up from that. But we want to keep it fun. We don't want to be stuffy. We don't want to be a special occasion restaurant. We want to have it available, you know, to everybody and keep them coming as much as they can. Keep the menu changing, seasonal, local ingredients, and done right. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us thank in you studio guys. today and sharing your story with us. Tell everybody where they can find you. We're at 1100 New York Avenue. Moden is the restaurant. We're open lunch and dinner. We're only closed on Sunday. Come see us. All right. Excellent. Well, keep you. up with your health and go home to Calabria. Meet those people. Yes. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. Anna, Hi. let's bring you back up. Hi. Anna Brown Lees. So there's a special. Mommy. You came up with a special recipe for this next drink. Tell so, us about this drink. So um, this is actually, I, I now in retrospect, think it's funny. This um, must be the health show. So right. it is. So um, mm, as you know, as you guys know, I, I'm a cancer survivor. Sure. So um, when I was going through all of that, um, you know, when you're in the food industry, you, you're you trying to, you want to still stay involved or whatever. And they were like, well, you should have this and this. This is an anti-inflammatory. I was, I was dealing with a holistic specialist in addition to my oncologist and everything else. And so I was like, so you know what? I know I shouldn't really drink, but what about if I come up with a healthy, a healthy quote unquote, drink. cocktail? So this is a healthy drink. So this so is what's my in it? healthy cocktail. What's it, in it? It has turmeric, which mm-hmm. is an anti-inflammatory. Yes. It has the habanero, which the capsaicin was supposed to be one of the things that I had to have. Right. Um, it has the mm-hmm. roasted pineapple, mm-hmm. and um, it has mezcal. Mezcal. Mm. Yes. So you get the little smokiness. A little There's smokiness. one other thing yes. it has. A kick. Yeah, it does. Delicious. It's a spice. Woofa. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So this is the only cocktail that I can lay a hundred percent claim on. Okay. That like What's it was. Called? It's called the Del Barrio. We have okay. it at Taqueria Del Barrio. It's our signature drink. It's our most popular seller, actually. Um, it's. Uh, my husband still, Sean makes fun of me to this day. He's like, you're the only person I know who wants to come up with a cocktail while you're in the middle of chemo. I was like, well, I mean, 
what else am I going to do? What else am I going to do? I'm right. bored. I have to, I need to have no, something. I'm in the industry. That's exactly. what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. So for people who haven't been to Taqueria del Barrio, can we just get, well, you have like a sure. minute. Can you Absolutely. give us a quick elevator speech? A uh, quick elevator speech. We do uh, Mexican uh, fun tacos. We have 14 different varieties. Come on Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, best deal going in town. Mm-hmm. You get uh, three hard shell tacos and two margaritas for 15 bucks. Can't beat that. Right. Um, we also have an amazing $5 uh, margarita happy hour every day of the week that we're open. Mm-hmm. So come get our uh, $5 margaritas and our spicy margaritas during our happy hour every day that we're open. from, And it's a big happy hour from 4 to 8. So That is a us. big happy hour. Absolutely. That is amazing. Yeah. And we just did a cocktail menu flip. So um, the lovely Lauren Paler, who is our GM at Dos Mommies, mm-hmm. um, is also worked with us on our new uh, cocktails at Taqueria del Barrio. So come see these. Oh, these yeah, are fabulous. I can't wait. Excellent. So the cocktails. All that of we these had... you can have at uh, Taqueria del Barrio. Okay. And Dos Mommies? No, no. These, these are all Taqueria These cocktails. are all Taqueria yes. Del Barrio. Yes. Okay, and then the Dos Mommies. The twain shall never meet. Right, and then the Dos Mommies right. cocktails. Totally and completely different. Totally different. So you have two very, very different experiences. Well, not necessarily very different. I mean, like, you ideally, you should go to Upshur Street and go to Pom Pom, right. Taqueria Del Barrio, and Dos Mommies. Like, right. So you should start it's at Pom It's a trifecta. Pom, at, it's the trifecta of, right. of places. So you she should start a... it. You should start it uh, <laughs> at Dos Mommies, grab a cocktail, go over to Pom Pom. Have a little bite, come mm-hmm. across the street back to Taqueria del Barrio, grab another and bite, and then off. finish it off at uh, with our sherry soft serve at uh, Dos Mami's. Right. Oh, I love that. Well, so, yeah. you know there what? You We're at the end of the show. I want to thank, first of all, I just want to say thank you, and we want to say thank you to everybody who's listened and helped the show grow and mm-hmm. and uh, and and bring you important news about the food and wine and spirits scene around the region uh, mm-hmm. for 11 years. Everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on Nikki's website, thelisteryouonit.com. Follow her on Instagram, Twitter, WTOP. She's everywhere. I'm nowhere. That's and we want to thank again. We're glad to welcome Mirabelle, Ottoman Taverna, uh, Alba Osteria, Al Dente, and opening soon, Cafe Liberté in Georgetown as our new sponsor. Excellent. Well, we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today and for sharing their stories with us. Um, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, both on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with everything that's happening in the D.C. metro area. We do want to especially thank Andy Mitchell, who is our producer here in studio. <laughs> 11 years. 11 years we've my, been doing it together. It's my second longest marriage. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so we want to thank everybody for joining us today and for joining us for the last last 11 years. Everybody have a delicious week.